Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series, the Adrian Morley story. We continue. The first British player to win both NRL and Super League titles. How proud are you of that achievement? How special is something like that? Oh, I'm very, very proud. And uh, yeah, I didn't realise at the time, uh, it wasn't until uh, I won the title with, with Bradford in 05 that someone said, you know, no English player's ever done that. So uh, yeah, massively proud. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I know, I think a, a couple of Aussies are maybe a Kiwi or there has been players who yeah, have done the, the, have the same feat, but to, to be the, the one-year-old Englishman to, mm. to have done that, that's something, uh, you know, something resume and I'm extremely proud of that, yeah. You mentioned that you were living at Coogee and many of your former teammates have told me over the last couple of weeks that you're actually the king of Coogee of a Monday <laughs> and any Monday after a win you would have a beer with just about anyone who wanted to have a beer in Coogee. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. But I did have my own little. Uh, I mean, I did choose Kudji to live because I knew there was a lot of uh, English people there. And uh, when you walk down the street, you know, you you hear a different accents from the UK. So that was very appealing. Also, it was you know lovely to have a beach at the end yeah. of the road, etc. But, uh, but I, I, I did have uh, you know mates away from the sport, which I think it's uh, it's important to have. But Used to drink in the dog. It was called the Duke of Gloucester Hotel, yep. and it was uh, there was a lot of uh, English, a lot of Cockneys, and people from all over really. So I used to used to pop down there and have a have, have a few beers. Uh, but uh, but but the whole place, Kudji, was great. You know, you could have uh, you know the, the the bit of a, the trendy spot, the uh, the palace or what's it called, yeah. uh, the Palladium, Kudji uh, Bay. There was always live music on, but uh, you know it was a, just a vibrant, brilliant place, and uh, you know it was. That's where all the backpackers come. It was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a nice, nice time in my life actually. On the field, three grand finals in three years. There was o two, o three, and o four. In o three, you were beaten by Penrith. In o four, by the Bulldogs. Do you consider those two games missed chances, or have regrets about how it happened? Oh, certainly missed chances. I mean, if you look at the score line in the actual games, you know, we we weren't outclassed. We weren't. Uh, beat by a, a, a huge margin no. so uh, on, on, a, on another given day we, we could have potentially you know won them games but yeah I thought we had the team to to win both them games it was just unfortunate that, that Penrith and, and Canterbury got it right on the day uh, you know out of the out of the two I'd say the, the Canterbury one hurt more because there was a, 
uh, great rivalry with us in Canterbury at the time. And uh, I remember very late on in the game, uh, Mick Crocker made a half break. And I think if it if it had made the full break, he had uh, Chris Walker supporting him and we, we could have snatched the win. But uh, Andrew Ryan, I think, ran across and just ankle-tapped uh, Croc. And well, that, that was just how tight the game was, you know. It was a bit like the England and Australia World Cup final a few years ago when Callan Watkins got his ankle tapped. You know, little little moments like that, you know, win and lose matches for you. Uh, but, it was, but it was still uh, fantastic to to play in them grand finals, you know, even though without without getting the win, but but definitely uh, uh, definitely uh, chances that, that went missing, yeah. By this stage, you were established, mate. You'd gone from the rookie trying to make a name for himself to the older guy that the rookies wanted to challenge. The young blokes wanted your reputation almost as a badge of honour. When you're the enforcer in a footy side, you also become the target, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was young, coming through the ranks, that that's who I looked for because... You're right. It is a badge, and it's uh, it's a notch on the belt, and uh, yeah, you you go looking for them uh, for them names. But um, I knew that was coming, and that's only uh, the uh, natural order, really. Yeah. But what uh, it was, but it was great. You know that that keeps you on your on your game on your on, on the ball, really. So I wasn't too bothered about uh, what was coming. Who were the guys you regarded as tough guys of rugby league? Uh, well. Sonny Bill Williams was just coming through. He played in that that grand final in in two thousand and four, uh, and you just knew straight away he was going to be uh, a very very special player, and, and he proved that um, you know in rugby league, rugby union, and and, and boxing. So, mm. what an incredible athlete uh, Sonny Bill was. But but you know what I found when I, when I went to Australia, um, pretty much every every team had a had an enforcer and. Yep. Uh, I thought I thought they were fitter in general. Uh, when I when I come from the UK, I was probably the well, I was the fittest forward, and then I come to the to Australia. But then you, know, you had, you know, I mentioned before Fitzy Rico and Simon Benet, and these were very very fit guys. But I think every team has, you know, I think they have they've got a um, a fitter persona about them, and they do train harder and. It does help that the, the weather's uh, you know a lot nicer in the in the in the preseason. Yeah. So, so every team has particular fit players and and uh, particular tough players. But my, my my hero growing up was Gordon Tallis. I thought he was he was fantastic. He yeah. was uh, you know a bit like Barry McDermott, where you, you thought he's a, this guy is a bit unhinged, he's a bit of a nut to yeah. this guy. But that was uh, really appealing to me. You know, I loved the way he played the game, and I loved the. Uh, the 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 aggression and the, and the and the physicality he brought to the to the sport. So so he he was one of one of my favourites. But uh, Stephen Kearney was another one I thought was uh, you know very very skillful mm. first and foremost, but very very tough as well. Uh, so I used to love playing against them guys. But then, but yeah, you, you could you could name you know the, the, there was a load. Uh, Big Willie Mason was just coming through yeah. as well, and uh, you know he, he he used to put, put himself about, but. Uh, but yeah, there was uh, yeah, probably two two men to name really. Your aggression and presence was such that you walked that fine line that we spoke about earlier on the field. On occasion, it was crossed. Is there an incident you regret or are pissed off at yourself about now that you sit here in retirement? Oh, without a doubt, the number one regret in me for your career, if not my life, is the uh, the, the send off. Uh, uh, first test, uh, Great Britain made the Aussies in, in, in 2008. 
2003. Is underway. Long with the high kick. Underneath it, Craig Gow. Great charge led by Morley. He's got him. He didn't half miss. He really got to him. We knew it was going to be tough. This is going to be interesting. That did. to the dressing room but there was little doubt that this man certainly went he looks calm as David Wayne take your time mate let's see look after him but this is a bad one and Robbie Cairns is in Disneyland at the moment Adrian he's calling Adrian Morley to him now he's gone to his back pocket it's a real bad one it's across the chin you're off mate it's a red card for Adrian Morley, and off he goes. And rightly so. He's such a talented rugby league player, this fella. Uh, I just thought the the team we had, um, I just thought that the Aussies were there for the, for the taking, and yep. I had just come off a, a great year with the Roosters. I just uh, played in a grand final, just got player of the year at the Roosters. I was probably... At the top of my game, that was arguably my my finest year. Yeah, and I knew and I knew this this year was coming up. You know this test series, and I just thought, right, I'm going to show, prove to me, rich teammates how to handle the Aussies, and you know what, you know they're not supermen and etc. And I was just so so fired up, uh, but you know obviously a bit too fired up, and then um, we all know what happened. Got sent off in the first minute, but just. Uh, just for the magnitude of the game, and you know, as I say, I felt they were there for taking, and we actually nearly, nearly beat the Aussies. We were, you know, beating them. Uh, I think about five minutes to go, mm. the Aussies scored. And if we'd have beat, if we'd have won that Test match, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt half as bad. But because uh, they'd, they'd battled and, and, and tried the damnedest for seventy-five minutes, and then we got the uh, the rug pulled from from under us, it was uh, pretty pretty heartbreaking. So it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It took me. A, well, I don't think I, I did get over it for a, for, a, for a very, very long time. Took took me a, a great deal of uh, time to get over it. It was. Uh, it was uh, certainly my biggest regret. Hello, legends. I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want and when you want. If you're interested, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now back to the interview. You'd be sent from the field, so you're back into the dressing room. Is that the loneliest place in the world on an occasion like this? Yeah, yeah, it it certainly was. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I just remember just... Put my hands, heading my hands, and just 
just bawling my eyes out. I didn't know where, didn't know, you know, that that was the emotion. Didn't know what else to, to, to do. And then uh, young Kevin Sinfield come in, who was in the squad, and it, he just tapped me and said, Moz, you're on camera there. They must have shown the uh, the footage in the in the changing rooms on camera. He just said, just get out of the way of the camera. I wasn't asked if anyone's seen it or not, but it was nice of him to try and uh, to save my embarrassment. But it was... Uh, well, yeah, that's how I felt, and that's how uh, you know much of a much of a letdown it was. You're not resigned to history. There's the positive. Bulldogs enforcer Peter Kelly lasted just eight seconds in a game against South Sydney, going back to 1986. <laughs> so you played a long game, mate. You got 12 seconds out of that. Uh, <laughs> oh well, uh, that's one thing. But but the actual the actual from the kickoff to the actual contacts was probably about three seconds. But they must have <laughs> let the uh, must have let the, the the clock run on a bit more, but uh, but yeah, I mean, to be fair, like you, you've asked about it now, and people do ask about it now. It's part of uh, part of history and part of yeah. my career, so I've come to it, accept it now, and just uh, talk about it. You know, not not willy nilly. It's still uh, it's still upset. You know, still upsetting. I'd rather it not have happened, but now I'm uh, can have more of a more of a joke about it and laugh about it now. You said you thought 2003 was perhaps your best year. I I thought you showed incredible leadership, maturity and consistency across your time here in Australia. Why leave? Was the time just right in terms of football or was it time to go back home? Yeah, it was. It, there was a couple of things, actually. I, I was talking to the Roosters uh, about staying and um, you know that they were keen for us to stay but the Roosters have not made the playoffs the, the previous year and that year we were, didn't look like we were going to make the playoffs and, and Ricky Stewart he knew really that if we didn't make the playoffs he, his, his time was was, was yep. finished there at the Roosters uh, but I was still loving my, my time there still love the club and I was uh, very very uh, keen to talk to Nick Politis about about staying and that's when my uh, girlfriend, who's now my wife, fell pregnant with our first child. So halfway through the year, just when these things were, were uh, you know, just about to talk, contract talks with the Rooster, that's when we, we, we fell pregnant. And we just thought uh, it would be lovely to have uh, the grandparents and family around with yeah. us at that special time. So I was 29 years old. Um, you know, it was a bit of a transition period coming up for the Roosters. I could, I could see that. So we, we just thought it would be, it'd be uh, probably the right time to go home. So uh, so I told my manager, uh, Andy Purcell, uh, that I'd like to go back uh, back home. And then he, he uh, did a bit of ringing round and, uh, you know, to get a few, uh, few of the English clubs interested. It wouldn't have taken much to get a few English clubs interested. I think they would have all been happy to take you. Uh, you'd return back home. You'd play with Bradford, Warrington, Swinton, Salford over nine seasons. Three Challenge Cup wins, 9, 10, and 2012. Were you playing better footy back home or had your form slipped since you are in Australia or were you able to maintain a level that you were happy with? I, I was really happy um, with my uh, consistency. So so, uh, so I signed at the, uh, the Warrington Wolves and... Um, I played there a year. That's when they asked me to be to be captain of the club, which was a big honour. You know, such a, an old, historic, yeah. uh, famous club. So I, I was uh, very much um, very proud to, to, to captain that club. But 
just looking at my, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If, if you'd asked me earlier in my career, are you captain material? I would have said no, because, uh, you know, I didn't really, apart from playing and training, which I took very seriously, anything off the field, I didn't really give, give uh, two hoots about, really. I wasn't very uh, professional in terms of, you know, drinking and what you, what you eat and all this mm. kind of stuff. And, but now at this stage, uh, you know, I was, I was a father at this point and I just thought, I don't want to be captain and be getting sent off and suspended, etc. I want to lead by example. And so I made a conscious decision when being asked to captain the club to, to not be as rash on the field, you know, not, not fly out the line, not, not make these, um, uh, silly decisions. And very proud to say, yeah, since being captain, um, never, never got sent off for the rest of my career. But, you know, I think that helped me, you know, um, not being sent off and, you know, not being as, um, as rash and as as captain, you know that's when we had the the three Challenge Cup successes, and well, I was really pleased with, with my form. Uh, out, out of two of them, uh, two of the years I was captain uh, of of Warrington, I got shortlisted for the for the Man of Steel yeah. award, which is the like the uh, the Dally M over in in the UK. So 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 two of them years I got shortlisted, only only a shortlist of three. So. You know, I didn't actually win the award, but I was I was you know rated as one of the top three players in the in the competition. Which uh, again, I think it shows a, a good level of uh, of consistency. So, so yeah, I think my form was was quite good there at Warrington. It does help when you've got a a good side around you, and uh, you know we we had a we had a really good side assembled by Sam and Moran. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. We had success in the cup. We made two grand finals, but we didn't actually get our hands on the yeah. on the grand final. That's been the elusive one for the, the Warrington Wolves. And since I left, they've made a couple more grand finals without actually getting the win. But uh, this year could be Warrington's year. You, you'll never know. But yeah, I was really pleased with uh, with the form, and and I, I was quite surprised at how long the career went on. Actually, uh, I signed a four year deal at Warrington, and I ended up playing another three after that four years. And then ended up playing another two at my hometown club, Salford. So I was I was 38 when I retired, and the the way I played the game, and you know the, the way uh, you, you bash your body up, never expected to get to, to 38 as a player. But but again, I didn't want to. Uh, uh, the, the my final year as a 38 year old, that the coach asked me, did I want to play on again the, the following year? Which I was always going to retire, but it was just give me um, a bit of a a nice feeling really that. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't finish playing because the coach said you're not good enough anymore. Mm. The fact that he wanted me to play next year was a bit of a, a confidence boost, really. Yeah. You know, I, I, as I say, I was, I was pleased with how I was playing, but I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts, me, my performances were dipping, and I thought I don't want to go on too long. And, and I think yeah, a player does know, and um, you know, it's uh, certainly very demanding physically, and it was, uh, it was, it was great while it lasted, but it was, it was nice to get out of the game as well. So you mentioned you were named as captain of Warrington, but you didn't need the little C next to your name in the program to be a leader. And in rugby league, often there's a difference between being a captain and being a leader. And 
I thought you were a leader for a majority of your career. What's the difference you see between captaining a side and leading a side? Well, you you are spot on there. I mean, I, I always felt I, I tried to lead by example in terms of, you know, trying to give the boys a boost by flying out the line and, and, and putting someone on the backside or, you know, doing three tackles on the bounce. You know, that that's a, a different type of leadership. But um, I, I'll use Jamie Peacock as an example. He's uh, a fantastic captain, a great leader, but he, he very much leads by example. You yeah. know, he, he does say things, don't get me wrong, and says you know, inspiring things at times, but his strength is leading by example. And um, when, when I got asked the captain, I, I expressed me, uh, because I was always very reserved, very shy and, mm. you know, in meetings and, you know, before the games, I didn't say a great deal. And I explained this to Paul Cullen, who, who asked me to captain and he said, look, you don't need to speak. You don't need to say a great deal. People look up to you. You, you do lead and mm. you might not know you're leading, but you do lead by example. And when he put it in them, in that context, it did make a lot more sense. And then, and obviously, when I was captain, my speaking uh, part of my game did evolve, and you know, took a lot more interest in uh, you know lots of things, you know, the team and you know the, the tactics, etc. So yep. you just had to change a few things. But at first, I wasn't uh, particularly. Um, I wouldn't say it was uncomfortable, but it didn't sit well at first. So yep. it took me a while to really um, get get the. Uh, get the captaincy embedded into me, but it's something as it evolved over the years, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. You know, by, by the time I'd finished uh, playing, it was something I uh, I loved doing. 53 times you wore and wore proudly the colours of either Great Britain or England. Is there one game from your international football that stands out above others? Yeah, there is. It was... Um, the first, well, the one and only time I got asked to captain uh, Great Britain and it was 2007 and um, th- this was the, the year before I got asked to captain uh, Warrington, the, the club side. So I'd, I'd played, uh, uh, you know, more, 10 years as a been a Great Britain international at this point and then Tony Smith uh, picked the squad and Jamie Peacock wasn't available for one reason or another and uh, so I was the most experienced and he asked me to, to captain the side and, it was an absolutely huge, huge honour, and um, to play for Great Britain is an honour anyway. And it was uh, against the French, and it was at Headingley where I spent all them years, you know, at the at the at the Rhinos. So very, very special, and um, you know, captain the side, and we got the win, and I actually scored a try as well. So it was uh, ticked every single box that yeah. night, and it was uh, it was just as special as I, as I thought it would be. And uh, yeah, it was it was, it was amazing. 20 years of first-class footy, almost 500 games, which is unfucking believable considering <laughs> the way you played. How's the body? How's the health now in retirement? You know what? I feel better now than I did when I was playing, just <laughs> only because you're not getting the knocks yeah. in training, the knock, knocks playing. And uh, I do feel very fortunate that, um, you know, to get out of the game as 20 years as a second-row prop forward. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, there's few tweaked a few uh, aches and pains which but that's just just life I think yep. so I, I was always one part of rugby league I did love was the was the training element the the the, uh, the conditioning and you know you can't just train hard out for 20 years and then just stop it which I knew it wouldn't anyway but some pros when they think that's me done I'm, I'm, I'm putting the hanging the boots up yeah. hanging the hanging the, uh, the the training shoes up so I was never going to do that so 
I was all I've always physical and I've always kept myself fit and uh, so now you know I train most days now and uh, do lots of running now and you know I'm uh, I'm I'm lighter than than I've ever been and uh, obviously not as big you don't have to be a big monster anymore but uh, but but I, I love my training now and uh, feel great I, I ran a marathon uh, last year and yeah. you know do 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 lots of uh, trying to trying to uh, lots of fundraising, you know, for, for various charities. Rob Burrows, obviously the uh, the number one um, charity at the moment that the rugby league community are, are raising money for. But but no, feel 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 great. And um, yeah, um, don't get me wrong, I do miss do miss playing. I do miss the sport. But I've done my time now. But I'm, I'm enjoying uh, not playing as well. If, if that makes a bit of sense, it certainly does. The game's changing for better or worse. It's changing, but the positive is. Head knocks and concussions are now high priority. You've said previously there's games, there's moments because of some of the bigger knocks that you can't recall. Any concern about the future? Yeah, there's, a, there's always a bit of concern, but I mean, I got a I got a message uh, last year saying, you know, we, we're going to get this, uh, uh, we, we're going to get as many ex players as we can. We're going to we're going to try and. Uh, Sue the rugby league. We're going to get money out of it, and etc. But I'm I'm totally one hundred percent against all yeah. that. You know, no one forced me to to play the game. I played the game because I love it. I knew the 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 risk uh, in terms of uh, physical injuries and and head knocks that kind of thing. And you know, if, if something happens down the line, so be it. I'm I'm, I'm quite quite prepared for it. I knew the risk. So uh, you know, you, you do play the game because it's physical and because it's uh, uh, enjoyable so um, yeah if, uh, if if something does happen further on down the line as I say so be it but I won't change anything uh, love my time playing rugby league and, and I'm, I'm so pleased they are actually trying to make it uh, the game a lot safer for, for, for kids and for, for adults alike uh, but if if they do find a link between all the head knocks and you know uh, getting brain problems later on then it's just uh, just unfortunate but I'll uh, I'll just say that, that that's life. You're a man's man. You're a stand-up guy. And I, I love the fact that you don't look for excuses. You don't look for reasons. Um, and you played the game and you're representing the game now and defending the game now. I found this quote from you and I'll just read it back. You said... I knew from day one rugby league is the most brutal, unforgiving team sport in the world, and that was the attraction for me. No one forced me to play the game, and if I have any physical problems due to playing or even develop a brain condition, then I knew the risks. We need to be extremely careful when we start talking about lawsuits. That's a direct quote from you. What would you like to be remembered for, old mate? Um, Good question. I mean... Just, just an honest, honest player. I mean, uh, when, when I took to the field, I'd like to think uh, I used to give hundred percent and hate, used to hate to lose and uh, to, to to give hundred percent and uh, and and be honest. I think that that would be a a great way to be remembered. I think. What don't you want to be remembered for? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd love that incident, the uh, the send off, not not to have ever have happened, uh, but. And, and, and to be fair, I'd like to have had a bit more success uh, internationally. You know, having played all them years and all yep. them tests, didn't have a great deal of uh, of um, of success internationally. So it would have been nice to have had a bit more 
in that regards. But um, what wouldn't I like to remember for being 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 a I mean, don't get me wrong, I know my record is terrible really in terms of sending offs and um, suspensions and whatnot, but I wouldn't like to be remembered as a as a, as a as a dirty bastard really. But, but I mean I know the the uh the the record suggests otherwise, but yeah. I mean I, I'd like to defend myself saying a lot of the incidents were uh, mistimed and yeah, I know it's it's uh, I'm trying to turn to defend myself here, but I don't regard myself as a dirty player. I do regard myself as a, an aggressive player who who did play close to the edge and did get it wrong occasionally, but uh, I won't like to be remembered as a as a bit of a bit of a grub. Regarded and remembered as tough and legitimate, that's what I would say. Just six seasons in Australia, yet over here, mate, you left such a lasting footprint that others have tried to aspire to. In my opinion, they haven't equaled that and they won't in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Adrian Morley, you, sir, are a legend. Thank you, Andy. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series drops at the start of your working week. It's in-depth, personal and highlights some of the game's finest from yesteryear. The weekly wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's full on and the hottest podcast on the market. Why listen to opinions when you can listen to interviews with the stars? And on every episode, you can hear up to a dozen different players and coaches, both past and present, giving their thoughts on the great game. It's fast-paced, full of footy and laughs. It's a must-listen. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. That way, you won't miss a thing. Every episode will drop immediately. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It's not for ego, it's for business, as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends. Legends.